Well, welcome back. Uh, happy Sunday. This is Pastor Scott again. I'm so glad you're here. If you're living in Canada, I am so jealous of you right now because it is hot as the devil's backside in Texas right now. But uh, you Canadians, you enjoy the Rockies. And this winter, when you're enjoying the snow, I'll be enjoying the warmth. But anyway, whatever. So we're in the series on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, the most effective, powerful communicator to ever speak, has just kind of started with this great declaration about who we are. But then he goes on, he sets up this talk by this phrase. Listen to this. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. What? Now, those that heard that would like, okay, wait a second. In all of our lives, in all of our history, the scribes and the Pharisees have saying, you need to be like us and obey all the rules and not do anything wrong. And and then Jesus says, hey, unless your righteousness is better than theirs, there's no hope for you. Now, some of the people listen, that's easy. These guys are a bunch of dadgum hypocrites. Well, it could have been. But Jesus sets this up with this big statement. What he was referring to was the heart. The heart. Because I have a heart problem. Jesus wants to fix that. Here's my deal. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And the Bible calls that sin. And I got a sin problem. And my sin problem comes from my heart problem. Now, not a physiological heart problem, but a spiritual heart problem. I want to be God. I need a change of heart. Now, Andrew Murray, now you've heard me say this before. And I'm going to say a lot about this in this series like I did last week. Andrew Murray, the great South African pastor, said this, your whole world is in your heart. Your whole world is in your heart. While that's true, I have to remember this, and this is out of Job uh, 31.7. If my steps have turned from the way, my heart has followed my eyes. What? Our impurity has stained my hands. In other words, my heart has been led astray by the desires of my eyes and the actions of my hands. So it's all interconnected. My heart problem produces a life problem. What the heart seeks, the eyes see. And what the eyes sees, the hands do. So I need to deal with myself. Actually, I'm not very good at dealing with myself because I'm selfish and I'm narcissistic and I got a heart problem. Listen to what Jesus said. A good per person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil per person produces evil out of the heart stored, out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart, says that in Luke 6.45. Now, my heart matters because of the direction of my heart will set the direction of my eyes and my hands and ultimately my feet. So I have to think about this. The Sermon on the Mount crowd that Jesus was speaking to, they were all about keeping outward appearances of religion. They are all about their robes and their, their rituals and their prayers and their attendance and their fake tithing and all that. They wanted to do just the bare minimum to keep you convinced that they were spiritual. Boy, that sounds like us. I want to do just the bare minimum to convince you that I'm more spiritual than I really am. What Jesus says, your righteousness has to surpass that. It's got to get beyond that kind of the bare minimum. They knew, uh, what Jesus knows is, is that 
you got to be seeking a deeper life here. You got to be looking for something that's more, and that has to come from my heart. Now, I want to give you some heart facts, some heart changing facts. Here they are. Heart change brings life change, and only Jesus can change the human heart. Heart change brings life change, and only Jesus can change the human heart. Religion only reveals our need for life change. Religion will just show you how much you need Jesus and how much you need a heart change. Listen to this, this in Romans. But now we have been released from the law since we have died to what has held us so that we may serve in the newness of the spirit, not in the old letter of the law or the old letter of religion. We've been released to a deeper understanding and a deeper life. Uh, to, to listen to what Jesus says about heart change. So let's listen to this today and let's make that application. Let me jump right into it. I usually pray right now, but I'm not going to because I think I'm on a roll here. So let's deliver this. Let's put some butter on that roll. And let's see what happens as we dive deeper into what Jesus said. Listen to what he says. You've heard it said that by our ancestors, do not murder. And whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, everyone who is anger with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. And whoever says you fool will be subject to hellfire. So if you are offering your gift on the altar and you remember your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with your brother or sister, then come and offer your gift. Oh. Man, when I was writing this talk, I had so dadgum convicted. I went, wow, I want to play games with my anger, with my attitude, and I don't want to confront because I don't want to admit I'm wrong, and it all comes down to my heart. All comes down to my heart. And Jesus is addressing this. Now, over these next few weeks, he's going to be poking at us in the heart, and then he's going to show us some stuff in our lives in the last part of the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus raises the standard then of my understanding and my behavior. All right, the religious leaders of that day, they, uh, they wanted to make things easier on themselves, so, and we, we actually do the same. So they started lowering the, sander, the standards. We want rules we can keep. That's what we want. If we're going to have a rule, we want to make sure we keep it. We don't want a rule that we can't keep. And so Jesus sets all kinds of rules we can't keep, all kinds of expectations we can't live up to. Because he's saying, you can't live this life without me. You have to have my indwelling spirit. You have to have a transformation of your, your heart and your mind as you trust in Christ. you got to be different. But we all want to set this like low bar. And here's the deal. My expectations for me, for me are a lot lower than my expectations for you. Because I ain't going to judge me. I'm going to judge you. Wow. There's something going on here I need to, to deal with. Now, the, the religious leaders of that day had weakened the commandment of thou shalt not kill. Remember that? To simply, to don't murder anybody. Just don't murder anybody. Because uh, if you murder somebody, you're going to go to jail. You'll be punished. It's not that it was an offense against God and the sanctity of life. It's that you're going to get trouble with the, with the judicial system. Just don't go to jail. Now, like, you, what, what's going on with this? You see... They were weakening the law, thus diminishing God and his holiness. 
when God gave the law, get this, just like God told Adam to name all the animals in the garden so he would be ready for the blessing, God gave us the law to accentuate our need for Jesus so we'd be ready for the blessing. Oh, yeah, God is getting you ready. So this is what they thought. This is the lowest level of, commi of commitment. They thought, as many of us do, as I do, as long as I don't kill anyone, I can hate all I want to. As long as I don't kill anybody, I can hate all I want to. And that's kind of where the scribes of the Pharisees said, yeah, that's how we've gotten today. As long as I don't kill anybody, I can hate all I want to. I can post whatever nonsense on social media I want to, whether it's dishonoring or gossip or just dead out a lie, I can post that because, uh, you know, as long as I, I hate as long as I don't kill anybody. Wow. See, Jesus takes everything to a deeper place of expectation. He takes it to a place that he looks at your heart. Now, I want you to look at this. When we're angry, what does that mean? Anger is really a seething discontent. Now, I can be angry about something or I can be angry with someone, but I, I have to deal with anger. And you can't just let anger seethe. Seething leads to stinking. Insult, you're angry with someone, don't sin. Insult someone, you call them a moron or whatever. Insult is a verbal dis diminishing of people, and then calling someone a fool is to make them meaningless. I remember as a kid, my mother would lose her mind. We had three of us boys, and we'd get mad at each other. We'd say, you fool, you fool. Mama said, now, Scott, you don't need to be calling Stanley a fool. You'll be in danger of going to hell. And I thought, well, if he quit acting like a fool, I'd quit calling him a fool. But the problem wasn't Stan's behavior. The problem was the condition of my heart. And so when I diminish someone, when I have a seething discontent, when I verbally diminish, and when I said you are meaningless, man, I, what I've done is I've attacked, I've attacked the sanctity of human life and of dignity. And Jesus said, I'm setting the bar here differently. These are common conditions of the heart. The human heart can be eroded. Look at this. Anger without cause is the root, and I'll address this a bit later. In, in the enmity, when I have something against someone, will lead to hate. Hate will lead to bitterness and resentment. Bitterness and resentment leads to unpleasant behavior and prolonged resentment, which leads to craziness. Resentment will destroy you. It's more than just not killing somebody. It's dealing with the dehumanization of people, thus developing a spirit that leads to the destructions of person. And this has played itself out through history with genocide and racism and other atrocities that are just wrong because we dehumanize people. There's a lot of chatter going along about critical race theory. I want to say something to you, and I'm not being political. I want to tell you this. Critical race theory is dangerous because it dehumanizes people into categorizations. When there's one race, the human race, and God loves everyone, and we should love everyone like God does, period. Yes, there's people that have been oppressed. Yes, there's been people who are oppressors. But I'll tell you something. Jesus has not oppressed anyone. Jesus has included everyone, and as a Christ follower, 
I'm not supposed to follow critical race theory. I'm supposed to live all for Jesus. I'm not driven by a theory. I'm driven by a Savior. Mic drop. Oh. Huh. Now, let's go a little deeper. Most of us live with a bad heart. For I do not understand what I'm doing because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. Paul said that in Romans 7.15. Paul, I do what I hate. Okay, now let's think about this. Let's get practical. Is being angry a sin? It depends upon your reaction and your reason. Your reason and your reaction will determine the sinfulness of anger. Jesus was angry. The Lord is angry. The Bible says the Lord is angry with the wicked every day. Jesus was angry with the money changers in the temple. He was angry with the scribes and Pharisees. He was angry. But he had a reaction to anger that was redemptive, not condemning, not dehumanizing. Well, what is the reason for your anger? Is it righteously indignation, or is it, uh, easy for me to say, or is it uh, selfishly motivated? Which is it? Listen to this. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. And don't give the devil an opportunity. I love what it says in the King James. Don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give the devil a foothold. Now let's talk about this. In this passage, there's two different words for anger. One is uh, be angry but do not sin. That's for righteous indignation. I'm mad over a just cause. I'm mad over injustice, racism, genocide, abortion, whatever, addiction, uh, abuse, neglect. I'm mad over a just cause. And so my anger then, it does not, not lead to sinfulness, should lead to rescue. I'm angry, so my reactions will be Christ-like in rescuing. That doesn't mean I don't confront. Oh, that means I do confront. But I confront in love and rescue, not retaliation and retribution. Oh. The second word there for angry means selfishly motivated anger. I'm angry because I didn't get my way or the things didn't turn out like I wanted, or I was wounded by uh, or other such emotions. Um, I, I'm offended. I've noticed most people that are offended, they're not offended because of something righteous. They're offended because you've been exposed. Your selfishness has been exposed. Your entitlement has been exposed. Are you just, I'm offended because you're so easily offended. I know some of you are offended by me doing that. But it's true, and we lose our brains over stuff that don't matter. And that anger gives the devil a foothold in your life. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, for the devil will take the darkness and drive you into it and hold you and make you crazy and continue your sinfulness. Wow. So what does that mean? We need Jesus. I saw a t-shirt the other day in Green, Texas. said, y'all need Jesus. I started to wear it today, but I chose this beautiful whatever color shirt this is. Y'all need Jesus. We do need Jesus. If I'm going to live according to the standards of Jesus, if I'm going to really live out the Sermon on the Mount, then I need the indwelling Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ living in me. I have no hope without Jesus. 
Listen to this, Romans 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. Wow. For what the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering in order that the law's requirement should be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit have their minds set on the things of the spirit. Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. The law showed me. Paul says it here. The religious leaders had lowered the standards so they could keep it. But Jesus, God never lowered the standards. The law showed me my sinfulness. Just like as Adam named the animals, it showed him his need of a compatible helper, a compatible mate, one to compliment. So the law reveals, I need Christ. I need Jesus. Now, we often think a great act of worship will cover our sinful hearts. And it can't. You know, if I, if I sing loud enough, if I go to enough church service, if I give enough money, if I volunteer in the preschool ministry, all these things will make me deal with my sinful heart. It won't. It won't. Now, those things can be a result of God dealing with my sinful heart, but it won't make us right with God. Your external actions will never lead to an internal devotion. The apostle, excuse me, the prophet Samuel confronted King Saul about his hypocrisy. Listen to this. Then Samuel says, Does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices as such in obeying, as, as in obeying the Lord? Look, to obey is better than sacrifices. To pay attention is to better than a list of fat, fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and defiance is like wickedness and idolatry. Because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Listen to what else Jesus says. This is really, man, this was convicting to me. So if you're offering your gift on the altar, in other words, I'm having some great act of worship. I'm offering my guilt on the, a gift on the altar, and I remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. Go, first go and reconcile to your brother or sister, and then come offer your gift. What if I got something against them? You get up quicker. Get up quicker. Man, I read that, and I thought, man, I need to quit being a preacher. Because I carry around bitterness and resentment. I actually quit being a preacher. But that's not what Jesus is saying to me. He's saying to me, before I come before God, i got to get right with you. And, and that's hard because I don't really, I don't want to. Because I really don't want to confront. I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm arrogant. And, and I don't want, like, confront, confront, or I'm, I'm embarrassed. I don't like confrontation. But you know what? I need to suck it up, buttercup. And I need Jesus to change my heart. Now, listen to what Pastor John said about this. This is how we know that we belong, belong to the truth and, we, and we'll re reassure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows all things. This is what keeps me in the game. God is greater than 
my heart. And he knows all things. And God through Christ has indwelled my heart because I prayed and asked him to do so. So I can not call my brother empty-headed or a fool or be resentful or murder. I can love them like Christ loved them. I don't have to hold on to bitterness, resentment, or rage, or malice, or slander. I can stop talking about people and start talking to people. I can confront my sinful behavior. I can be reconciled. I can be different because I have the one who knows my heart, holding my heart. Because the, my whole world's in my heart. I need Jesus. Man, this talk has convicted me. I need Jesus. I've experienced hurts and disappointments that have caused me to be resentful, and I don't want to live this way. And while I was writing this talk, I bowed my head, and I finished it, and I wrote this quote that you see on the screen, your whole world is in your heart. And I reminded my heart to whom it belongs. And the peace that passes all understanding will inhabit your heart and your mind as you trust in him. Who holds your heart today? Can you get a heart change that will lead to a life change, that will lead to devotion change, that will lead to a relationship change? I hope so. Because I want a clean heart. So I can have clean hands. So I can have beautiful feet. So I can share the gospel of peace. All for King Jesus. Father, I thank you for what you've said to us in your word today. And I pray for those who are listening to me whose hearts have never belonged to you, that today would be the day they whisper, Jesus, I'm yours. I give my life to you. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Savior. Father, I also pray for those who are like me, who've toted around resentment and bitterness and anger. Just, oh God, thank you that Pastor John said that you're greater than our hearts, that you know all things, that you would grab hold of us and change us, that we'll be kind and compassionate tenderhearted to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ you have forgiven us. That we'll not speak against our brother, but love our brothers. That we'll be not angry and sinful, and we won't let the devil get a foothold with our anger that leads to resentment and bitterness and slander and, oh God, and even murder. Change our hearts, oh God. Make them ever true. Change our hearts, oh God. We want to be like you. And I pray this in your son's strong name. Amen.